Hi, I'm Rick Katchke. I'm Drew Stack. I'm Tom Fuchs. And this, this is, is the Internet's Maximum Potential. Tom Fuchs, the guest on the show. Hello. Uh, he's looking, looking very dapper in his I Got Wood t-shirt, uh, reminiscent of uh, the character Ed from Shaun of the Dead. Only the best for the Internet. Only the best. <laughs> uh, we should, before we start this episode, probably explain what happened with episode 7 uh, which was renamed The Pitmaster. Um, basically, we had a really good show with Brad and John. I fucked up. It, no, it's just the our garage band on your computer uh, decided to stop recording and then uh, lost the audio, some of the audio that we had. Yeah, recorded. the system we were using was not. It has given us problems in the past, and we were just finally. That was just the final straw since it was such good material. And uh, I le- researched this on the internet, and I looked it up, and, it, and it's amazing that we never had this problem before, is the GarageBand that we were using, uh, the application to record the podcast, um, for some reason won't go past uh, nine, 999 measures, which is about 33 minutes, uh, approximately. But we'd done that every single episode that we'd recorded on that computer for like six previous episodes, and it had been fine. So we're not really sure exactly... Uh, what happened there. So we apologize that uh, you missed out on us closing out the show. That's really what we're sorry about. Uh, We're happy to have Tom Fuchs on the show. Uh, Tom is a longtime friend of mine uh, since high school. Um, Sort of emerged as a a best friend after he graduated from high school. Uh, Basically, my uh, your senior year, we, we exchanged yearbooks and I was always sort of intimidated by Tom, so I, I wrote, you're a funny, funny man. <laughs> and uh, Tom wrote like this really nice, elaborate message saying that we should hang out. <laughs> and the summer afterwards, uh, Tom is just <laughs> silently nodding. Yes. I agree with everything that's been said up to this point. <laughs> so uh, then after, uh, after your first year of school at UW-Milwaukee, we uh, then collaborated on a film project and made a, a movie called For Yossi. The first of a few projects, <laughs> multiple. Uh, also three Oregons, if I'm not mistaken. Three variations on the same theme. Uh, For Yossi was a movie that we made. <laughs> I, I was going to explain the filmography. Uh, For Yossi was a tribute to uh, a director of a B-movie or a really bad directed video movie called Operation Delta Force Five, <laughs> and uh, the random fire. random fire. I didn't complete, complete the title. <laughs> and uh, Yossi Wine was the director of that film, so our film was sort of a, a tribute to him for Yossi. And um, it kind of alternates between being um, the most brilliant thing you've ever seen and the worst movie ever made. <laughs> that's that's what for Yossi is by us. Well, we shot I'd, I'd say sixty percent of the movie. <laughs> And then and uh, the first the first hour of the movie is more or less linear, and then the everything else we shot is just kind of edited together <laughs> because we didn't have any links to connect the scenes, and also uh, we we wanted to screen it at our we used to do film festivals every six months, and we wanted to screen it at our um, our December film festival, and uh, <laughs> you hadn't had the chance to edit the film yet until like what two days before. No, we finished editing it, I'd say, maybe ten minutes before the film fest started. We started right. the entire... Like, you started editing yeah. two days before the film festival. 
Like, even before, not before, like, the entries were supposed to be due, but actually before the physical festival. Two days yeah, before. like, like well, they were always at my uh, parents' house. Oh, okay. And uh, generally, all we would show is movies. We were just trying to subject our friends to our taste. Dude, to, uh, there you go. And uh, this was pretty much the apex of that concept. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the movie, for something that was, like, because you were still pretty new to digital editing, and... Uh, it's just very thrown together. <laughs> there's there's some scenes where uh, like there's one shot that's supposed to complete another scene that got <laughs> that got lost, and so but uh, then appears later on in the movie. So it completely so it'd be something context. that would be like great to watch while you're intoxicated, I guess. It's, it's or, or horrifying. Or I mean, our influences were uh, Godard. David Lynch. Unintentionally so, but they were our influences. <laughs> and then uh, for another film festival, uh, Tom and I filmed a series of intros. It was when I was working at a warehouse, and uh, I was in the best shape of my life. And so for some reason we decided to do the majority of my intros with me shirtless. And uh, one of couple of them in my so you took, you, took a, you took an acting lesson from Matthew McConaughey and decided just to do <laughs> I stopped wearing deodorant and uh, said let's film some intros and um, and like one of them I uh, like slither up well, the movie that we were going to introduce was The Tingler <laughs> and I, I like slither up to the camera and I go did that just make your body tingle <laughs> here's the tingler <laughs> We uh, realized pretty soon that we wouldn't actually be able to play the intros in front of each movie. That would be really time-consuming. So we instead edited all together with footage of, uh, like, I want to say, like, Hitler youth rallies. <laughs> like, someone being hit by a bus. By a train. A by train, a train. A yes. train. Uh, uh, what was the song that we used? Was it Private Eyes? Yeah, it was, pri- it was Private, Private Eyes, Eyes by, by Hall and Oates. Oh, um, no. And, uh... There's like it's 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 lost unfortunately. I, I, I am really upset about. That. Once again, one one more thing lost to the my great Twilight Zone idea <laughs> that you always insist on bringing up. Where the digital wasteland. <clears throat> but uh, there's one really funny shot where it's like this canted uh, camera angle, and I walk up and I got a towel and I'm in my underwear and I'm outside. And slow, I slowly raised the towel to reveal that I'm holding a box of Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> that shot's repeated somewhere around 40 to 50 times. <laughs> and then um, there's the, the, the closing shot is, is me uh, in, in the shower in my underwear reading the class of lights. <laughs> oh. And... Uh, so we unfortunately lost that that version of the film, but later we were in the digital video club at UW Milwaukee, and there was a girl in the uh, in the club who always made these really arti- artistic, not very good, but she thought she was making artistic films, like most film students at University of Wisconsin <laughs> Milwaukee. So we decided to. Uh, I don't. I just for the record, I love. Everyone who attends the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, <laughs> I do too. I'm just, I'm just saying that Tom's got that's Panther Pride. He's got a lot of Panther Pride. I'm just saying that's just kind of like a general broad scope of why I left. I'm, I'm a donor. <laughs> I uh, donate three thousand dollars a month to UWM <laughs> on your half price book salary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they pay you the big bucks. Well, what I do like is forty I, bucks an hour. There. 
I take the uh, thousand I make, and then I go to the horse tracks, <laughs> and, I, and I win. Always, it's just something I do. It's one of my talents beyond filmmaking is knowing which horses will win, and then I take that to OUWM and I give I give it back to the people who taught me to make the art that I make. Anyways, getting back to what you said. Uh, yeah, so there was this girl who always made these really boring, like exhaustingly not clever films. So we decided to uh, shoot some new footage, which consisted of both him and I on cell phones not talking to each other, and uh, and re-edit Oregon and say that it was directed by her. <laughs> she wasn't there for that meeting of the club, though. She left. She so. left, like, right oh. before we screened it. That's absolutely perfect. Were you wanting to, like, show that to her so maybe she would change her ways, or was it just kind of, like, openly mock her in that format with think, everyone else around who would get it? I think it should be pointed out that me and Rick became really good friends because we both realized we're terrible assholes <laughs> and that we like to make fun of people. Um, it, the Pretty much the, the bonding moment of our friendship, what sealed us as best friends was uh, one night I was online and I was uh, I thought I was talking to this, this girl who had uh, just graduated from high school and she was going to be coming back for homecoming and she kept like talking really weird online and I'm like, what the heck? And it turns out that it was her roommate who was screwing around. Yeah, yeah. And this this annoyed me. So I, I am Tom, and we decided to come up with an elaborate uh, story that a friend of ours was killed. I am her that to get back at her. <laughs> and so, uh, so we, Tom, I am her is like, hey, did you hear about Jake? Yeah, he, uh... He was driving down the street and a little girl was bouncing. Wait, okay. She was bouncing a red ball. I got incredibly specific with this story. Uh, There's a little girl bouncing a red ball, and then a truck came barreling down this street, apparently in the suburbs. Just a truck. And uh, Jake gallantly pushed her out of the way and got hit by the truck and died. And uh, this joke has paid a lot of dividends for us since, as a lot of people for many years thought Jake was legitimately dead. And when they saw him, they'd be like, I heard you died. <laughs> and, and the thing was, Tom, I am certain that within 15 minutes, I get an I am from somebody else. Did you hear about Jake? Jake? <laughs> Meanwhile, Jake's oh. been online this whole time, and no one's bothered to I am him. Like, are like, you okay? I heard his spirit lives <laughs> on online. Oh As a gosh. memorial, his parents just logged on to his AOL for him and have left it on. I left it on. That 30 bucks a month, you know, keeps his spirit alive. Oh my gosh, that's that's horrible. And uh, we decided to incorporate that into Foriosi <laughs> then. There's a lot of different things. <coughs> it's really autobiographical. There's a dog driving a car. Um, every In the original script, every character died, which to me was the best part. Every character died in the movie, and that doesn't really come across in the finished product. <laughs> Although it does end with someone being shot in the woods, with, and it having no connection whatsoever to the plot <laughs> of the movie. I, yeah, I, uh, I go mute retard at 12 o'clock, and then shoot it. <laughs> there's there's an American Pie. There's some American Pie in there. Um... It's I. No one will ever see it. There's only two copies that exist: one on my computer and one that Rick has. And I've I've sworn Rick to never show it to anyone. 
People have asked to see it, and I have refused them the chance. <laughs> I've shown Lee about ten minutes of it. There's about, like, ten minutes of showable footage to someone that you love. <laughs> oh, wow. If you want to continue that, now, <laughs> that now, relationship. Now I'm, I'm kind of, like, interested. I kind of want to see this now. It's kind of like that Jerry Lewis, the uh, the clown. The clown cry. who cried. It's the who, clown the who cried of... Yeah. Uh, the day the clown cried, right? Yeah, it's it's the day the clown cried of uh, terrible movies made by me and Rick. <laughs> You've heard about the day the clown yeah, cried, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, it's a, sort of a, a, a lost film that will never be seen by, by Jerry Lewis where he plays a clown in a Nazi prison camp. It's it's uh, He has it. He just doesn't show it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he destroyed the footage. <laughs> just in a rage one night. <laughs> <laughs> boxing. <laughs> boxing reels. Just taking like the stove by the fireplace and just hitting the film reels over and over again. Well, I think we should screen it. Like, if we ever. Like, <laughs> the make day it. the clown cries. No, no, no. no, no. If we ever make I'm it. I'm friends with Jerry Lewis. I'll it, ask It should him. be a double feature where it's kind of like Joe Dante's The Movie Orgy, where it's just one screening for all of time. We just have one screen where, like, you know, 300 people come, and they watch it, and then that's it. That's the only people who watch it. I'm ever. pretty sure it would attract a similar audience. <laughs> Bill Hader is a pretty big fan of Four Yos. <laughs> Me and Tarantino have corresponded over the years about it. You were it. pen pals, right? Yeah. Just by coincidence. Edgar Wright would be there. He'd be all... I think, I think he'd be really interested in what you guys came up with. The Gulagers, lifelong family friend, so... <laughs> pretty sure they'd be there. We made one other movie to bring it back to the filmography. Uh, Rick Kachke. Oh yeah, for a quest for the pitch. Um, it was a class for your digital video. Uh, basic video. The class that kind of turned me off to uh, filmmaking as a as a major at <laughs> UWM. I shifted to film studies thereafter, but uh, it, the basic premise was Rick Kachke was a struggling uh, person, <laughs> just struggling to make a living. And he, it was building up to this big pitch that he kept referring to. And it's a mockumentary. And you think that it's like, oh, it's going to be a pitch for a movie or some sort of pitch, but it, instead... There's a physical pitch in baseball? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to reshoot this. <laughs> it was actually a mascot for a uh, building company that was a log wearing a helmet with eyes and a mouth. And so I pitched it in front of this boardroom, and we're like, I raise it up, and it's just this blank, like, it was like a two-by-four, Yeah, right? it's a two-by-four. And uh, people are like, <laughs> eh, I don't know, and I turn it around, and there's a face on it that's smiling, and then everyone stands up and applauds, and I raise the piece of wood in the, uh, in the air and go, ah! <laughs> and uh, tell them about when that screened, how the, the reaction of Well, it. you know, um... We already mentioned the UWM sort of uh, method of making short films. So um, before mine screened, it was it was our final project for the semester. So there was a lot of screenings of like swirling colors with ambient noise or people st- <laughs> talking about their life. Pretty much things that give you a headache. Yes, yeah, things like that. Some some nakedly autobiographical things. And then when I came up with something that was blatantly uh, fictional and had an arc and a structure to it. <laughs> And jokes, uh, it didn't. It didn't fly. Uh, the, one person said, "Hey, that's Rick Kashki at the beginning," <laughs> and that was the only reaction that happened through the entire screening. One of, one of the worst things that's ever happened to me in my life, actually. I, 
I pulled the Joe Dante and disappeared for a decade after <laughs> training. And then I came back with that. I mean, you may have heard of it, Small Soldiers. <laughs> Small Soldiers is filmed um, right in a town. Um, it's continually filmed. <laughs> yeah. No, it was filmed in a little town, like right near where I used to work in uh, Orange County. Did the uh, toys ever come in? No, they never, they never did. But like that, like main little town circle. Just the voice of Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> it did. It just entered the entered the room. It was like it struck me, kind of an asshole. The voice of Tommy Lee Jones. I Tommy Lee like, Jones. I've heard is a really nice guy. You know, well educated. Went to Yale, but his voice is just a dick. Yeah, disembodied voices. I've heard that about most celebrity voices when they're separated from their their human counterparts. Well, let's not be let's not be biased. I think a lot of them are, but I think there's just like few. People shouldn't get the wrong impression, you know. Kiefer Sutherland's voice is very nice, very kind. Um, it's helped me out on a few occasions, you know. I'm about to touch the stove, and it goes, Drew, don't touch the stove. And I go, oh, thanks, Kiefer Sutherland's voice. Um, Julie Taymor occasionally talks <laughs> with me. No, oh, okay. I, I, I'm surprised I... I was like, what is this voice I don't recognize? And then she, it always has to say, oh, I'm Julie Taymor. I um, directed Titus. <laughs> and... Um. She brings up Frida. I, I don't get the reference across the universe. Not real sure, but as soon Titus. as Titus is brought Titus, up, Titus, yes, of course. How is uh, how is how is your reek? How is your reek? How's Drew? What? You tell me, Rick. How do I smell? I think I just got a new cologne, so hopefully my reek is pretty good. Um, you do anything of note over the past few days? Um, yeah, actually, uh, yesterday I went down to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, an establishment down in uh, as Tom like chokes on his water at the mention of Buffalo. I, I'm Wild familiar Wings. with Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> he gets the reference. He gets the reference. Um, but uh, anyway, so it, it's a little sports bar that serves wings. So we went down there, and uh, apparently on Wednesday nights now they have a Wee Home Run Derby, where if you come in, as soon as you come in the door, they give you a slip of paper. You can fill in your name to enter to be even like entered into the Home Run Derby. So and as soon as you is. Uh, if you buy more Miller products, they give you one for each Miller product you buy. So we came in, I bought a Miller Lite, so I got two slips, filled them out, handed them to the guy, who sounded like an FM DJ when he came by. He'd be like, can I get you guys anything else? And it's like, uh, no, we're, we're, we're fine, thanks. He's like, alright, catch you on the flip side. He was he was weird. So. Sounds like the Duff Beer Man from The Simpsons. <laughs> he kind of is. Duff Man, can't breathe. Um... But anyway, so then I get called up. I get called up, which is pretty surprising. None of my other friends got called up. So I get called up, and they you stand in line with a bunch of other guys waiting to play the Wii Home Run Derby game, um, where you swing the Wii Mote to hit the ball and... Try to hit home runs. Try to hit home runs. I assume. Yeah, yeah. So I go up, and I hit... Uh, the girls running it are kind of cute, and then... <laughs> I hit a girl! <laughs> I hit a girl in the head. No, so I go up, I, I get two home runs the first time, because the Wii sensor bar is like... About three feet right of where the television is, so you have to like stand facing the sensor bar, but like looking over your left shoulder at the television. So it's very difficult. No one really did all that well, but I got two home runs, and then um, you get like I think I believe ten or twelve balls to hit home runs. So two for twelve, which isn't very good. And then one for six. And then I get called up the next time to go. um, And then I get get called up like the next round, and I'm still the only one of my friends. I get called up twice. And none of my other friends got called at all. And so I go up, and then I get, I get three home runs this time. And um, then the girls, like, start, like, talking to me. And they're like, like oh, you did better this time. Da, 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 da. You know, maybe you could come up and try some more. And I was just like, <laughs> nope. 
Nope. You know, normally like I'll I'll flirt with a girl or entertain her, but I just wasn't feeling it. I don't know why. Was it a girl, a those girl, or a those those girl? It was a. They were girls. Okay. I don't. I didn't. I didn't down the. Well, I didn't to find out whether they were a those girl or a those those girl. I should explain. Uh. Tom doesn't listen to the show except when in an automobile that I'm driving, which is incredibly awkward from my perspective, but uh, he hasn't heard the episode with, uh, with Carl Habermill and Mike Schmalz, where Carl, basic, Carl and Drew come up with this theory that there are girls, like girls that you would like, those girls, girls that seem good but have like a flaw, and then those, those girls, they're girls that you want nothing to do with. Well, not nothing to do with, but just romantically would not pursue a relationship with on any level. Just, I, I think any woman who's interested you in you based on your ability to hit home runs for the Wii is probably not, it's not going to turn out well. No, I just, I don't know what it was. It was just like, they were just like, they were really like putting themselves out there and I was just like, nope, not having it. I was so disappointed with my, with my performance in Wii Baseball. That <laughs> not tonight, not, not tonight. tonight. Yeah, you know, could have been a, it could have been a better win. A greater win. A greater win. Oh. Uh, Tom and I, uh, it's been kind of a rare week. Um, we've hung out a few times this week, and uh, Monday night we went, and we were, I picked up Tom from uh, his house, and we were driving to see the film Red Belt at the Value Cinema, where oh, Brad man. Gage works. Um, and uh, I was making a left turn onto 27th Street, and uh, I was heading uh, east, so the cars that are heading west, that lane also got to make left turns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're doing simultaneous left turns. It's turn. a pretty standard traffic situation <laughs> in which cars on either side get a green left turn signal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're making the left turn, and <laughs> as I'm making it, Tom sees the oncoming cars that are also making lefts, and has a moment of panic. Where he thinks that it's coming straight. <laughs> and, and in this moment of panic, he goes, Rick, beep, beep. <laughs> As if, I should point out, I did actually point at the car. So I was, so it made a little more sense than just saying beep, beep. I pointed at the cars and said beep, beep. But not like, ah, or like, oh my god, it's gonna hit us. Or, oh shit, you said, you pointed at the car, like a two-year-old, and went, beep, beep. Yeah, I, I realized after the fact, it could have been interpreted as me trying to show Rick that I know what a car is. But, uh, at the time, in my head, I'm thinking, well, how are we going to survive this situation? <laughs> and the best solution horn, would have been horn, horn, my horn. Just honk the horn twice. Usually twice we'll do it. <laughs> Three times is overkill, but twice... One time says, hey, two times says, there's something wrong here, and three times is just, you're being an asshole. But now I kind of want to get into life-threatening situations <laughs> to see, with Tom, to see just how to Tom see what he says. How he would react. I'm pretty sure it's going to be beep beep, regardless. <laughs> Tom, your parachute isn't opening. Beep <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Red Belt is a good movie. Yeah, we saw Red Belt, the new uh, David Mamet movie. Explain the synopsis for... Tom, you're the film guy. Explain it. Yeah, I'll plug, too. Uh, I do reviews for chud.com. Nice. So that's my uh, credentials for being able to provide you with this thrilling synopsis that you're just about to hear. Uh, Red Belt is about a jiu-jitsu trainer played by Chiwetel Ijefor. Pretty sure I mispronounced that. I'm, a, I'm sorry, Chiwetel. I know you're a big fan of this podcast. It's all right. We don't have many listeners over, over there. 
I'm pretty. He's uh. <laughs> he's American. serving in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. You're right. Uh, Jiu-jitsu trainer. Um, very honorable man. Lives by a, the, the samurai code, if I'm not mistaken. By over there, I mean I mean Iowa. So, even if he is American, that's it's racist. <laughs> but but. I, <laughs> uh. So yeah. A uh, woman hits his car one night, comes in to tell him she did it. Uh, a window gets shot out in a moment of confusion. I don't want to give too much away. I feel like I've already given away but, the... Uh, but basically it boils down to a big MMA bout at the end. And Tim <laughs> Allen is in it as a, a big movie star. <laughs> Who's Wait, in the movie Tim where he's fighting in a war? Tim Allen just shows up in the movie? Yeah, not yeah. as himself. As, as like, a, a drunken actor. It's not Tim Allen playing Tim Allen. Oh, because well, if Tim Allen was playing Tim Allen, he'd be addicted to cocaine. Yeah. Not to... Not be <laughs> an alcoholic. And he'd always be asking, what do you say to a naked woman? <laughs> and, like, every... That was a stand-up special of his in the early 80s. It's not as good as... <laughs> not as good as Joe Somebody would be my, my review. I did enjoy Joe Somebody. But it, uh, the Red Belt does feature Ricky Jay, who, uh is a phenomenal uh, illusionist, and uh, he appears in the majority he's, he's, of David Mamet. He's Mammoth's a David movies. Mamet regular. He's a Rebecca Pigeon-type David Mamet regular. He has his rotating cast of beauties, such as Ricky Jay. And uh, he just he, I thought he was excellent in the film. Always fun to see him. Ed O'Neill shows up slightly... Uh, <laughs> out of frame. Out of frame for about four seconds. But... Uh, <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Literally, Ed O'Neill walks into this restaurant... And like leans into uh, who's the agent? It's um, Joe Mantegna, and is talking with him for like five seconds, and they're like, "Hey, we'll catch up later." <laughs> One of Ed O'Neill's best roles. <laughs> sounds sounds like it. I think that's all you need of Ed O'Neill. Like four seconds just packs a punch. That's what Dragnet should have been when they brought it back. Just have, <laughs> even though he was the star, just have him in there. Ed O'Neill's in Spartan. If I'm mistaken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For more than four seconds, just to be clear. <laughs> this isn't like a thing that David Mamet does where Neil shows up out of frame slightly for four Remember seconds. Remember when he was in Glengarry Glen Ross? Just walked by, asked what the time was. <laughs> in, in the office, which I thought was strange. Why would he be passing by inside of their office? While the police were there, because there was the uh, fake break-in the night before. I may have just spoiled the pertinent plot points. <laughs> Glengarry Glen Ross. Ross. Just spoiling David Mamet movies left and right, Tom. Unbelievable. Then, last night, uh, we went down to Chicago. <laughs> Two nights ago, we went down to Chicago, uh, along with Fawn Seamson, uh, Tom's longtime girlfriend, and... Uh, a plug. <laughs> uh, and we saw Eve Barzillay, of, uh, formerly of Clem Snide, performed at Shuba's, and we had a minor comedy celebrity sighting. Uh, who was your minor... I'm guessing... Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. You go ahead. This is a fun game. Yeah, oh, I was gonna guess it was somebody probably um, just a, from Second City or somebody like that. Second City alum. Okay. So I'm. Half you, 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 oh, we're gonna play like half of twenty questions. Okay, so it's ten, ten questions. Ten questions. Um, Good. Is it a fraction? <laughs> is it a woman? No. Okay. Um, Two questions. The uh, is a are they overweight? No. No. Um, Maybe a little pudgy. No, no. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say no on this one. I'm um, sorry. Do they wear glasses? No. Um. Cool. Uh, did they go on um, 
to a movie career? No. Did they, um... Oh, this is tough. This is tough. Five questions in. You usually get 15 more. Now you only get five. I'm racking my brain. Um, did they, uh, are they Canadian? No. Um, are they... Four questions. (laughs) Are they, are they, uh... Is it George Wendt? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, Actually, we've got a George Wendt anecdote coming up after this. Um, <laughs> after this heart racing. Chicago, Chicago actor George Wendt. Um, three more, Drew. I don't know. Have they... Seven tenths of the way through. Are they... Um, did they have a career in television? Yes. yes. Um, did they have a career in television outside Second City TV? Yes. yes. They weren't on Second City nine, TV. Nine tenths. One, one question, one question left. Were they on SNL? No. No. Uh, Who do you think it was? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Do you idea. watch 30 Rock, Drew? Yeah. It was Scott Adsit of 30 oh. Rock. Oh. And it was one of those things where more so than... He's a co-creator of Moral Oral, a show I like. Uh, on 30 Rock, a great show. But him uh, being at an... On, 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 on Cartoon Network. <laughs> Remember yeah. how Moral Oral has that... <laughs> That interlude on 30 Rock. <laughs> Just this claymation interlude. But him being at the Eve Barzillet show, to me, makes him infinitely more cool than making things that I enjoy. I was really movie. happy to see him there. and he, he was right in the front row at the venue. It's was he, like, easily recognizable? Oh, yeah. Does he look like he always does on television? Yeah, but, you know, not so much so that uh, I think one or two people approached him. So... He's that level of famous. Which I think is a good level of famous. I think that's like the perfect level of famous to be at is because like the people who notice you are the people who like probably like your work or enjoy what you do. And then like the people who don't notice just don't care. There was, um, uh, have you ever heard Clem Snide, Drew? Or Eve Barzilay? No. They, uh, well, have you seen the show Ed? Yeah. The opening theme song is by Clem Snide. Oh, so I guess I have listened to Clem Snide. That wasn't by the Foo Fighters. I did enjoy Ed though. Um, it was a good series. So, you know, it's a very, very um, literate, clever lyrics, um, very witty. So we're there last night. <laughs> I keep insisting that it was last night that we were there. Two nights ago, we're sitting at uh, a table. We've got a nice view of the show. And there's a, <laughs> this guy who looks like Chicago Sun-Times sports writer, Jay Mariotti. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's, actually, he's a very... Prominent, I'd say, sports writer in the United States, just in general. Because Ozzy Guillen called him a fag. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's... He's also on the show that I think epitomizes everything that's wrong with <laughs> sports journalism. And America. Around the horn. Around the horn, oh <laughs> yeah. And so, this guy... Plug, plug for around the horn. <laughs> um, basically, he's filming the show the whole time on his digital camera. <laughs> and then, uh, anytime Eve Barzilay stops playing, he's like... Clem's <laughs> Or play old songs. <laughs> and uh, the water song. Just sort of. So are you kind of. Was it Jay Mariotti or was it kind of well, like. It could, it, it, we're in Chicago so it could have been his kid. Without that cake down around the horn makeup. He could really look like anything. So <laughs> there's, a, there's at least an 85% chance that was It Jay was Mariotti. Let's well, just go ahead and say it was. All the, all the great like C-list celebrities came out for this thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Skip Bayless opened. He, so. you know, I thought the guy looked familiar, and he he was always whining 
about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> the, Chicago, the Chicago C-list celebrities. It's wonderful. Um, so George went anecdote. I need to hear this now. <laughs> Is there... Do you have one? Well... Tom and I. Uh, Tom, oh, you're you're spoiling uh, an upcoming project. Oh, uh, I guess I won't go into no, it. No, this is fine. Let's just give them a taste then. Let's give them a taste. This okay. might happen somewhere down the line. Okay. Um, basically, we've got an idea. Or where, actually, this is another short film we. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting uh, to. Where um, these guys have a debate about whether or not George Wendt was in the Little Vampire, the Jonathan Lipnicki movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so they go on IMDb. And search for George Went. <laughs> and there's no results. <laughs> no results found for George Went. George Went isn't on IMDb at all. So they find themselves in a world without Went. <laughs> the short film ends with Rick Hatchke vomiting into a trash can. Real, real vomit. Rick uh, made himself vomit. <laughs> After going, like, I say something about how I can't live in a world without Went. <laughs> and then it's a cut to me. In a classroom at UWM, vomiting into a trash can, and uh, we just left it there. And and just so, like, like when there was a class the next morning, there was vomit in the trash can. <laughs> you should send this to George Wendt. Well, uh, for for Rick's birthday, I expanded it into a feature length. I made a little treatment. So, if at some point I get ten million dollars. Maybe if you keep working at the ho- or the, getting that money at the horse track. I'm pretty sure that George Went has connections, so I think you should send him without Went and see if he wants to sign on. Actually, it's, it's called the title is Ash Wednesday, um, W E N D T S D A Y. It was actually a Halloween themed week for the video club. Pretty much no one made videos for the club other than me and Rick. Everyone just kind of showed stuff they made years ago in high school. Whereas Tom and I... Whereas once they get... Like most great film majors, once they get to college, they just Just kind of... coast on the glories. They coast on their glories of high school or come up with a lot of great ideas and don't act on any of them. I don't want to throw these guys under the bus. And I'm not... (laughs) I'm not going to be... I'm not... I'm going to be completely honest here. I've honestly done the same thing where you sit around and come up with these great ideas that you never act on or even not so great ideas. But, um... Yeah, no. So, go ahead and throw them under the bus. Uh, some of the worst things I've ever seen in my life were shown in that digital video class. One of the guys, and he was a nice guy, but he made a movie um, about Candyland. <laughs> like a visual represent, representation of Candyland. To be fair, I think it was like a TV tech project because it was like chroma keyed backgrounds that they kept running into each one, so it was a different part of Candyland. I was thinking more along the lines of the Batman origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's like a principal, like, I, I, I'm making this up because I don't remember it, I've uh, completely erased it from my memory, but he's like, you're, you've got, you, you, this report says that you're going to grow up to be the Batman, and I don't want to <laughs> see that happen. <laughs> Just stay in school and don't uh, become a vigilante justice. <laughs> Symbol of vigilante justice. But oh. there were these two other guys in the class that were really good visual directors, they they just needed some work with their writing. Like, they made this heist movie, which was, like, really well shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's the best part about it is, like, all those visual directors is they come up with, like, the shittiest ideas for films. Like, like it's it's almost incredible how they're... It's just like, you should just be a DP, you know? You should be a DP or, you know, like, maybe an extended DP. Who, just for layman out there, that stands for Director of Photography, not Double Penetration. <laughs> you should be a Double <laughs> Penetration. 
Maybe an extended double penetration. Um, no, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I have had this, I have had a similar right experience there. with you know writer directors or people who think the writer directors who could just should just be directors and let other people write for. I them. think the thing about it is every every uh, teenager and I I'm not we're not exempt from this. We have a 150 page cop movie, cop movie script. <laughs> to be fair, the cop movie script that uh, we came up with, um, I wrote it. Basically, after my grandpa died, I was in, like, sort of this weird place where I was really unsure of, like, life. And uh, the thing that got me out of it was writing this... 150-page cop movie, which had a a completely useless subplot, which was, like, two-thirds of the film, (laughs) about um, a character called Joey Terrence, which was basically a guy just being a jerk all the time. And, uh... It, it was going to be, like, for example, he goes to a domino. He takes a girl out on a date, and they go to a, a Domino's Pizza carryout. <laughs> and then he gets the pizza, and they sit in that, like, you know, that, like, bench that they yeah, have there benches. and eat the dinner, their, their food there. And uh, when the guy is like, hey, you can't eat here, he, uh, he takes a Charleston chew and starts eating it. And he's like, you mean I can't do this? And eats a Charleston chew and... And the dominoes carry out, and the guy's like, well, that's fine. <laughs> it not not like really that. germane to what I was talking about. Sorry. But uh, I think every younger person wants to have make them have a badass role for themselves in the film that they make, where they hold a gun and pose and shoot people. And that's what I think the heist movie was. But it doesn't play right when you are 16 or 17 years old. No. Wearing, no. wearing shades and Zubaz. <laughs> Much like, uh, I, I was just, uh, last week, I, I think I referenced this on one of the podcasts, but the Hot Fuzz special edition includes, the new American special edition includes the uh, original film, uh, Edgar Wright's like film he made when he was 18 years old, Dead Right, which is like them running around the town, incidentally, where they would later shoot Hot Fuzz. But, um, hot fuzz? Hot fuzz. Hot fuzz. But, um, yeah, no, they, they dead right, which is like a very, it's much like, sounds a lot like any other teenager's cop film, and there's some shades of greatness in there. Some of his, you know, rapid editing, quick cut style that would uh, later make him, I guess, I, I guess you could say it's an auteuristic style of his. Um, but, um, it's... Yeah, it's ingrained in everyone apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think every everyone who's ever wanted to make a movie is wanted to do that. Mine wasn't much less a cop film, but it was this idea for a. Uh, I, I incorporated it so a sixteen year old would have. Uh, so it would make sense for a sixteen year old to be in that. It was world. like the Doogie Hauser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cops. <laughs> Where he wasn't he wasn't a cop, but he was he was actually part of a super secret organization um, of the government that acted outside uh, congressional backing. So that they could. Um, what about the House of Representatives? Um, they were outside. They were outside of all the red tape, so that they could go and uh, eliminate all these mob bosses. And uh, like their job was to take down organized crime and start at the heads, and then work its way down. So they kind of like, kind of like superheroes, but like organized, you know, like superheroes. And, like uh, the they, punch out of crime fighting. Yeah, yeah, and they use this like um, human growth hormone type stuff to make them have these super abilities and have technology that's 10, 15 years ahead of everything else. And then uh, the first scene of the film would be um, a, like, takes place like 20 years or 15 years before the uh, main plot of the film begins. And uh, 
it's this man who's working for the FBI's in the super secret meeting to approve this um, new project, and they decline the project. And then later that night, he goes home, and he's uh, has a drive up and is brutally murdered along with his wife. And then their son uh, lives to uh, see another day. And so then it's it, Batman. It's kind of like it's kind of like Batman. And then the next scene is the principal going over his report card, saying that you're going to become you're going to become symbol, Batman. a symbol of vigilante justice. And uh, no, so then it, it flashes forward to holy uh, shit. Drew was in our class in the DB club town. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> As I pull off my face, face-off style. So the next scene. The next scene is, uh, you know, him just uh, leaving the Navy SEALs, which would be really believable for a 16-year-old to play. <laughs> Where he was the youngest Navy SEAL ever, and uh, he's contacted by the super-secret organization, and they uh, take him to their secret headquarters, which is under a ghost town in Utah. And uh, they tell him that his new mission is to uh, protect the people of San Diego and uh, start taking down organized crime in that city. And uh, the film goes on, and later that he finds out... He finds go out, on! Go on with he finds, he finds out that the head of the film, or the head of the, head of the uh, super-secret organization, is the man who killed his father, and the super-secret organization is acting outside of the government. Like, it never got government funding or anything like that. It was run solely off this one guy's efforts, and he was kind of like an evil genius, so he's got all these guys thinking they're working for the government, but in reality, they're killing government agents who are undercover inside the mob. Um, and then he turns on them, and then there's a fight scene. And so it's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, meets Batman. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then the Lincoln Park would do the score. So I think that you made a mistake by not sending that script to Michael Crichton's... <laughs> so Michael Crichton's publicist, yeah. who told me that I could have sent him scripts. That would have been, it would have been huge. Although that might, it might it have been like a, up in disclosure to... There might have been elements of that that showed up in Disclosure too. I think it would have been like a very dark Agent Cody Banks, I think. <laughs> Which is essentially what Agent Cody Banks 2 is. <laughs> London aside, <laughs> holy shit! You just... It's, it's like Drew just projectile vomited water all across the new computer that we're, we were using. Some people this. call that a spit take, but for Rick, that's projectile vomiting water. <laughs> that's... that's that's what the new uh, comedy scholars are calling it. Projectile vomit taste. We're not your old man spit take. <laughs> it's worth the throwing up water all over the place. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I wanted to bring up that when, when Tom and I go out places together as a couple, um, we always seem to um, encounter really strange people. Like, it's pretty much nine times out of ten when we go somewhere. Yeah. We're going to run into a weird guy. Like, uh, one time I Like, was, you came here and I was here. Yeah, Drew was, <laughs> Drew was just sitting here, just projectile vomiting water all over himself. It's, it's how I have a good time. It really is. That's why those girls wanted to have you play with them. You think, They're like, you come think back to our place. We'll play some wee baseball, yeah. Wait until you see me vomit water. <laughs> In a projectile manner. Um, we saw the film Martin and Orloff. Plug. Plug. Good movie. Good movie. We saw it in Madison um, when it inexplicably screened there for a week. And there's a scene in it where uh, Andy Rick... Let's not give that joke away. Okay. We, well, are... we, we have to, kind of, for the story. Well, we, basically, um, he, Andy Richter says the line, it's not lit. Yeah. So we don't give away the context. And so we, we were... 
going out of the theater afterwards laughing about that line, mm-hmm. and I go, it was you or I, one of us said, it's not lit, <laughs> and then a guy who was in front of us turned around, very grungy looking guy, yeah. had a pack of cigarettes <laughs> in his hand, probably an ex-hippie living in Madison, and, Tom, you take it. I, I, do you remember exactly what he said? It's always lit. <laughs> and then, because he was, refer- he thought we were referring to his cigarettes. <laughs> he goes, "It's always lit. It's just sometimes you gotta hit it." <laughs> we that's were, that's how I live my life. And then he it's leaned in lit. close and he kissed Rick on the lips. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Drew, Drew actually thought that. <laughs> It does seem an organic extension of that anecdote. I like that. I, li- I like adding that. I like adding I think, that to I the end of anecdotes. From now on, we should just embellish that anecdote and I'm have it end. With I'm pretty anecdote. sure any anecdote we can tell here, we should just end with someone leaning in and kissing Rick on the lips. So I think that's going to be a new quote in my Facebook profile: "Is it's always lit. You just need to hit. It. You just need it's to just hit sometimes it. you gotta hit it. it. You know." a good metaphor for life. Then uh, Tom and I saw Kids in the Hall in April, and uh, we had seats, and the guy next to me decided to tell me all about a deleted scene from the first season of Kids in the Hall. <laughs> Told me, that, like, talked to me for, like, what, ten minutes? The nice thing about it was Rick was sitting next to him, so I was able to turn my body in the opposite direction <laughs> and disengage <laughs> from the uncomfortable conversation. As this guy talked, oh man, it's like, it's Scott Thompson... He's just going out. It's raw. It's raw. He's just coming up with some of the most raw stuff. Oh man, got it. You got to get the first season DVD for it. Hey, maybe he was working for like the uh, distribution company. Oh, just like trying. Here's to, the thing. Then trying a like, grassroots campaign to sell the first season of Kids in the Hall. He said, "Do you want to buy season one of Kids in the Hall?" Then he leaned in and kissed Rick on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdest thing. Weirdest thing. Uh, Great show, the kids in the hall. Great <laughs> so show. I'm gonna bring up a new segment on the show, which I thought would be fun, and um, I didn't. I, I haven't told Rick about this. I'm just coming up with it right now. Um, I did. Re- I, I picked out. <laughs> Drew's just gonna kiss me. <laughs> I'm just gonna kiss you on the lips. That's the new segment. All the guests come in. Who's and kiss kissing him. Rick now? Is the name of the segment. Um. So uh, no, I was. I thought we do. We do an album of the week and a movie of the week. I thought we should do a YouTube movie of the week. Um, I come across some interesting stuff on YouTube, and I thought um, it should be, it could be really anything on YouTube. I'm going to use it more for user-generated content, just because that's where I'm trying to drive the world into, and that's something I feel strongly about. So. Drew's Tech, always sucking up to YouTube users. <laughs> always always at the, the tube teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your recommendation, Drew? Um, my recommendation this week is uh, by a guy named Rick Bush. His uh, username is all... <laughs> is Rick we Bush. should say that the majority of the show, everything I've been saying, everything Tom's been saying, we're coming up with just sort of on the spot... Drew turns has a notebook which says recommendations. <laughs> he needed to write this down. I wanted to be planned. Well, I wanted to have some good, solid recommendations for people. This in week. Drew's defense, with YouTube, uh, I've got no defense. <laughs> <laughs> What's your recommendation? Inc- incidentally, Drew? Tom is also my lawyer. <laughs> Uh, my rec- Take this man to jail. <laughs> my recommendation is semi, and then there's a, a hyphen, as in the word there normally is, semi-automatic. And you can search semi-automatic, or you can search his username, which is Rick Bush, all one word. And it's 
It's uh, it's not fantastic, but it's it's a pretty good little uh, fifteen minute short on there with some good stuff. And then so I've been checking up on this guy, to seeing what he's doing re- lately, and uh, I haven't checked back in about a month. And then I finally checked back today, and uh, now he's working for um, a company called Relish in Britain, which is Britain's number one uh, pornographic film company. So now he's making pornos, but this film is not a porno, but it's a good little fifteen minutes. About as close as you can get. Action thriller, <laughs> yeah. Nothing to do with relish, though. It's Nothing. Just, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a YouTube recommendation. You probably Come on, throw something out there. Uh, you I should throw off um, John Thompson and Brad Gage's film. I, I always screw up the title. It's I think it's hard fast kill time. Hard fast kill time or hard tough kill time. I think I think yeah, it's I hard think fast. I, Hard tough. tough something. Uh, John showed me a rough cut. It's not up yet. Um, it's a movie that they uh, talked about last episode. It's really, really good. And uh, it's not on YouTube, so that's my YouTube recommendation. <laughs> Tom, you, you love the YouTube. I, Always I, talking I, I about it. I surf the YouTube for just hours, just giggling, giggling babies. Uh, <laughs> people, people having... Which I was going to bring up during you, your guys talking about your digital video club with some of the worst films ever made. Um, there's a quote that I like to use about YouTube, and it's, uh, browsing YouTube is like, um, looking for, uh, uh, flecks of gold in a river full of dung. My saying about YouTube is it's like masturbating into pantyhose and then mailing it to your best friend. (laughs) (laughs) At least Tom's quote he attributed to himself. Who came up with your quote, Drew? I think it was, uh... What is it, Kevin Seitz? As your legal advisor, I'm going to go ahead and tell you you don't have to disclose where that quote came from. I plead the fifth. <laughs> it's unattributed, just for the record. Uh, let's go with Surfing Chipmunk, for me. So just type chipmunk. in Surfing Chipmunk. <laughs> which is bound to come up. Which is, which, <laughs> I think that should just be what we do every week for our YouTube recommendation. Just throw something they should search out there. Nothing. We haven't searched it before, but we'll just throw it out there and see what comes up. <laughs> But no, I think Surfing Chipmunk's actually been used in like three or four movies. Uh, I don't know if you guys are Weezer fans, but uh, their new album, their single, the music Well, Tom, if you listen to the show, you'd know that that was my like album recommendation like the oh, first or second so, week okay, of the show. Okay, so you're familiar yeah, with, yeah, the with the music video. With they the use, Pork and Beans video. Yeah, they use lots of YouTube internet sensations, basically memes. Is that the term, I believe? I guess. And yeah. uh, they just use a lot of those, and I do believe dramatic, dramatic chipmunk is in there. I don't believe surfing chipmunk is in there. No, no. But I'm sure if you type in surfing chipmunk, there will be a chipmunk or an animal comparable to a chipmunk surfing, surfing, surfing. or yeah. some other similar water sport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be a water skiing, uh, you know, gerbil. But at the same time, that's don't be picky. That's that's, that's pretty good. A bodyboarding that's, that's guinea pig. Good. Um, but yeah, we'll throw that out there. Throw that out, the, the Weezer videos. If you like those YouTube videos, it's got all of the characters in there. It's got the Britney Spears guy. Leave her alone guy. It's got, uh... Doing kind of a weird, like, uh, creeping me out. Like Blair Witch type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it creeps me out. And he's got, and the they've video. got, uh, what's her name, the, the Miss America, who, the South uh... Carolina South girl. Carolina girl. They got the, uh, the ninja guy who, uh, does the flip and concusses himself and collapses. Um, actually, you know what? Don't search for the video. We'll just explain it. <laughs> we'll visually describe it so that you don't even have to watch the movie. You can have a better one in your head. There you go. Uh, some upcoming films this weekend. You guys going to see anything of note? Um, let me check my planner that I have it written down. I saw that you wrote down Wally, so. 
Um, yeah, so I think gonna it's gonna go see Wally. Well, I'm just gonna say that it's my favorite. I, I don't know. I'm not my favorite because I haven't seen it yet. But I'm saying it's, <laughs> I'm the, it's, gonna... <laughs> it's the Pixar movie I've been most excited to see. I guess since I was, was like, yeah. Well, since like I was a kid, you know, and like since probably like Toy Story. Since like so, Junior, you're yeah. a big short film fan. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also actually uh, very excited for Wally, and we'll be seeing it tomorrow. I just I don't know. I think it's it, the the visuals in it are absolutely stunning in terms of what they can do with. Uh, their computer animation now. So now this is a, this is a big week for you, Tom. You're seeing Wally, uh, and then next week you're moving into your apartment for the first time, correct? <laughs> Second time. No, Second. first for yeah, your I'm first apartment. Into an apartment. All right. Uh, that's my movie recommendation for this weekend. <laughs> the apartment. <laughs> Joe's the... apartment. Uh, <laughs> starring Jerry O'Connell and a bunch of cockroaches. Uh, wanted. Actually, also comes out. Wait, wait, wait. Movie. Joseph Parman was the first movie by MTV yes. Films. Yeah, where singing cock... It's a, it's a classic, I think. I, I think uh, saw it. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I was such a big MTV fan. Is that going to be your... Is it going to be your rental movie? That's not. It's movie? not. But if you love Kurt Loder and his uh, news briefs, 10 minutes before the hour every hour on MTV, you'll love Joe's apartment. Yeah. We were talking about uh, Gideon Diego the other night, and... Uh, <laughs> I thought I figured I thought he was still working for MTV News. Yeah, and Tom brought up that he uh, saw him stationed in like Iraq. He's uh, actually he does like journalism, like more youth based journalism. But he's uh, he's been in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now they're doing college campus tours, just trying to tell people what's going on over there. And uh, I just pictured him being him broadcasting from Iraq, like. The new Weezer album came out. <laughs> <laughs> There's no need for him to be there. <laughs> They're just doing MTV. MTV News is now run out of Baghdad. That's the center of MTV News. Essentially. The news, we broadcast where the news is. Not generally what, what news is happening, where the news is, but just broadcasting from where it is. Um, I think it, it would be a good time to throw out our album recommendation of the week. Um, I'm going to go with Clem Snide's album, Soft Spot. It's uh, my favorite album, album by them. And uh, just a very sweet, loving album. I'm going to go ahead and throw out uh, the new Eve Barzillet, Lou's Big, uh, lead singer of Clem Snide. It's his new project, just came out. Play, we saw the other night. Good. Scott Adson approved. I'm going to go, <laughs> go with a band that has nothing to do with Clem Snide. Um, so I'm going to throw out uh, the band Stars, and the, it's their album Set Yourself on Fire, which was back in 2005. <laughs> it's, in, it's in parentheses on Drew's notebook. It says two To make sure that it's 2005. So, um, yeah. No. You don't want to get the 2006 version of it. No. 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 Set Yourself Steer on Fire. Fire. It's a pretty good, pretty good little album. <clears throat> By little, I mean it's, it's full length. And what's uh, your sandwich pick of the week, Rick? Uh, this was brought up the other night. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Subway. They used to have a chicken parmesan <laughs> sandwich. Uh, it was wonderful, um, but they it's discontinued. Try and make an approximation. I'm gonna go with uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with just a traditional BLT, no tomatoes. So BL. Um, I'm gonna throw the uh, a, a club out there, a club on, um, let's say sourdough with uh, with bacon, and. Um, Tomatoes. I'm going to amend mine to be a turkey club that you can get at Altura with uh, bacon and turkey and lettuce and a very nice sauce. I'm going to stick by <laughs> with my sandwich. Which Here's is... your chance, Drew, if you want to <laughs> in some way alter your so, sandwich. No, no I'm happy with my club on sourdough. Uh, Tom, when we've been listening to the show... Toasted sourdough. Uh, in my car, which is really, as I said, very uncomfortable for me, um, you've had an idea for a segment 
basically based on Drew's last name, <laughs> called Sticking It to Steck, where you call him out on something. Okay. I'm, I'm, I enjoy this. Already. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't know. I don't have anything that you I You don't have anything to, to stick it to Steck? Um, um, let me think here, let me think here. Was the plot of your movie, in fact, not the exact plot to Spy Kids 2? You've just been stuck. <laughs> uh, Tom Foose has left the building. <laughs> you can hear his laughter for miles. He's just, he's just, he's walking out right now. Apparently he's also barefoot. And walking, and he's just walking in place. He's pissed off. He's walking in place. He thought well, it the was community Drew lives in is entirely hardwood. Or I'm gonna claim it's nice for walking away. I'm, I live on the boardwalk. Um, no, uh, you'll be falling in love. Well, I don't live under the boardwalk. Rick. I just live boardwalk on, <laughs> on the boardwalk. Um, incidentally, a song from Beaches, the Bette Midler film. Um, no, uh, I never. I'm gonna claim. Uh, I don't know what you call this, uh, but I never saw Spy Kids 2, so you can't link that to me. As your lawyer, I'm going to have I'm gonna to say claim, I'm gonna, fine. I'm going to claim negligence, I guess is that, that's what you call it. Negligence. Let me look at my legal dictionary. I'm going to take... <laughs> Let me get my legal dictionary. Yeah, yes. <laughs> negligence. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I'm going to do a, I'm going to take a lesson from my old buddy Michael Crichton and say since I never saw it, I, I uh, can't be sued for it. Um, although, although to be fair, uh, Robert Rodriguez sent me a letter saying he's a big fan of your work, Drew. And I said, well, Drew can't read your scripts, Robert, but I can. And then when you were sleeping, I whispered the synopsis in your ear. So You, you took the time to record it onto a tape and then had me listen to the tape. No, no, no. He's not a, I, I leaned over while you were sleeping. Got about, I'd say, a quarter of an inch from your ear and just whispered the entire script. I'm taking your away your key to my house. That probably won't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking windows. Um, <laughs> and then leaving. Rick, do you have anything you're sticking to stack this week? You know, leave the notebook at home. <laughs> <laughs> you just got stuck. <laughs> Since we're at my house, I'll just leave it here. And, uh... Oh. I just got stacked. Act. <laughs> when when Drew has a counterpoint, that like it's a counter like punch, a counter attack. It's a stack deck. I think it's a stack deck. I just got stacked. Deck. Nice. I didn't even need a notebook to come up. Do you, do you have something? You <laughs> something want to stick, I want to to stick to, to myself. Stick to myself. Um, <laughs> and, so, and do you have a stack deck? In a stack deck in response. Um, I don't know. I like to say that. Um, I like to, uh, on this show, this is something I've noticed listening to a couple of the episodes uh, just by working them over, um, I like to restate things that Rick said right after he says them. Like, he'll say, he'll say, and we went, like, like it's the end of a funny joke, like the punchline, I'll be like, and we went downstairs, and I'll be like, and you went downstairs. I'll do it, like, all the time. I tried not to do it this episode, um, but that's something I do all the time that really bugs myself. So I can imagine how it would bug someone else as You've well. You've just been self-stuck. Self-stuck? Self-stuck-stuck. To, to counterpoint that, I, I guess it's... I don't know. Normally when you're like in a circle of friends not recording what your conversation is, that's like how you like respond to... Which is something says. I'm not at all familiar with. I record all my conversations with friends. <laughs> so. well, that's why you're my lawyer. It's so that you have that on file, just in case. 
Um, but yeah, no, I'd say that that's just like normally how I react to someone telling a joke is replaying it over my head. <laughs> to so spoil the moment by restating it. In my head, it makes it twice as funny because it's like I laughed at that. It's like you said it. Now I laugh at my. I, I guess. I guess it's in a small way. I'm stealing that joke from you. This might not be carrying over to the uh, podcast, but there's a palpable tension in the room right now <laughs> that I feel. I feel very uncomfortable. Someone's about to get stacked at, <laughs> or <laughs> or stuck. Drew actually just leaned over and kissed Rick. <laughs> he kissed oh. me on the lips. So, um, yeah, let's close out with our movie rental, I guess. Um, I just, uh, I just got. <laughs> technically, I guess it's a playable movie. It's called uh, Space Ace. I picked it up from <laughs> Half Price Books. It's by Don Bluth. Um, I. So I, if by the off chance you can actually find Space Ace, you should check go it to Half Price Books. They have like twenty copies of it. Uh, I. I've been trying to beat this game for a long time, and uh, I got it yesterday, and I stayed up for like three hours, and I finally, because I would always get to like the last segment, and uh, I would always screw up, because you basically need to be precise with all the buttons. Oh, yeah. And I finally got to the ending, and uh, it basically it was like five seconds <laughs> where, where the bad guy gets shrunk, and then they decide to adopt him. <laughs> and it's a really disappointing ending for something that I've been like... For like eight years, I've been like, God damn it, I really should finish out Space Ace. <laughs> Did it last night. Real movie recommendation, I'm going to say Martin and Orloff. No. I was just... Um, I need Did I just steal your I, recommendation? No, no, I need a minute. I need a minute to think. All right. Here, do you want Drew's notebook? <laughs> bam, bam. You can look through it. Um, let's see here. I, I was, since Michael Mann was brought up last week, and uh, or last episode, not really last week, um, he was brought up, so I kind of thought it'd be within theme to go with a Michael Mann uh, one, I would say either check out, um, I guess, his two, I guess, most critically recognized films, which would be Ali, which I think was um, just really just a great film, and Will Smith's best performance ever. I don't know if he'll ever give a performance that good again, just because it was just awesome. And then uh, also I'd say Keat was also, you know, kind of his opus that was just you can't. You, I, I, everyone who I've ever shown it to or had watch it just comes out and says that was a really good movie. I've always felt it's Michael Mann's A Wish for Wings that work. So, did you? Do you have that, a movie recommendation? That was an Opus reference. <laughs> I don't know if anyone. That's for you, uh, guy out there. That's the tying internet. it back to uh, the opening, the opening song. Um. Hey, I didn't even think of that. Okay, I'm gonna recommend Funny Games because I watched it last night. Uh, review forthcoming on Chud.com. Plug. Uh, if you like watching a family be uh, tortured in front of you in a very sadomasochistic manner, and then have the director be self-reflexive and comment on what you're watching. <laughs> Wait, does Michael Haneke? No, <laughs> there, there is like there's multiple. <laughs> Look at this violence. <laughs> there, there's multiple fourth wall breaks. Um, very disturbing. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lighten that up, make this a double feature. And the second thing you should watch is The Good Fairy, which is a William Wyler movie starring Margaret Sullivan, uh, written by Preston Sturgis, who is one of the best screenwriters of all time, and it's one of his early works. Tom and I. Uh... We also watched this Christian movie a few weeks ago that Tom got me for my birthday called The Wager. I haven't talked about it on the show yet. Uh, maybe another episode, but check it out. Make it like, rent like four movies in Space Ace, I guess. Space Ace and, <laughs> and call it a week. <laughs> Just to quit your job. Yeah. Pack it in. Just pack it in, guys.
I, I think that this has been the episode then. Yeah. Uh, you can check out Tom Fuchs' DVD reviews on chud.com, C-H-U-D. Uh, he also has a blog there of which he hasn't posted in four months. <laughs> <laughs> two entries, two entries. But the historical stuff is great, yeah. Um, for the show, I've been, for the internet's maximum potential, I've been Rick Katchke. I've been Drew Stack. I've been uh, Tom Fuchs. <laughs> Had to think about it. And this has been <laughs> the, the internet's, internet's maximum, maximum potential. potential. That's it. Yeah. Always safe.